1: It is Thursday with a U, not an I, but I don't know why I spelled it with an I, because why not? I know how to spell Thursday. Anyway, it's Thursday, April 6th, 2023. (laughs) I hope you're having a wonderful day. Uh, Spring is here. Um, And Jackie Martling is my scheduled guest today. Uh, Jackie's got some, I don't know, something to talk about. He wanted to be here today. He he has something, but I don't know what it is. I think it has to do with him doing something with AI stuff. We'll find out. I have a three-legged cat that is driving me crazy right now. She can't be hungry. These cats eat all the time. I think they're just bullshit artists. They just love attention. And then they'll bring me out. Come on, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. You put food in the dish and they're like, eh, that's not what I want. See ya. Anyway, uh, so I look forward to talking to Jackie this, uh, this morning. I had uh, Andy on yesterday, Andy Andrus. I uh, hope you, listen, if you celebrate, I don't know, celebrate? Passover is a, not really a celebration, is it? I thought Passover was really hiding in the house from the bad people, from the bad demon that was coming to take your firstborn. Bad people, bad thing, bad spirit. I don't know. My guest last night was a no-show. One more... I didn't check my email either. I should check my email. One more expert in how you should run your life who can't manage a calendar and uh, figure out how to tell time. I don't know. did get an email from her. I want to check that and see what she said because... I think she was blaming me for her not being able to manage her calendar. I just want to see this for a second. Uh, But again, it's always, every time I get a no-show, every time I get somebody who doesn't show up, who makes plans to be on the program, and then does not be on the program, it is because, uh, I mean, it is an expert. And how you should live your life. Here it is. I have no calendar event for this. I am very sorry. I don't have a calendar with all the information. I'm absolutely not going to make it because I have so much going on. I have no idea why I didn't have a proper calendar. But you, you're the person who's going to tell us how to get our life together. You can't. You can't be the person, the expert, who's going to tell us how to get our shit together and not have your shit together. Sorry. Go back to the drawing board and say, maybe I don't have my shit together. Maybe I'm not ready to teach everybody else how to live their life. Uh, I don't know. Uh, what else is going on in the world? Well, all the Trump shit is still going on. And man, it's a fucking annoying. It's fucking annoying. It's fucking annoying. One more time. Is it fucking annoying? It is fucking annoying, by the way. How'd you know? Because I just heard you say it three times in a row. I'm talking to myself on the radio. We are on Live 365. There is um, and iHeartRadio. iHeartRadio. Uh, there is an app in development. I should have looked at that too, uh, with Live Three Sixty Five. Our app will be out sometimes. Uh, what the hell, Jackie's Jackie's sending me text right now. I know about the benefit next week. Are you coming on or not? Um. Like, he's telling me, he's just texting me about this thing that's going on next week, which is here to promote, I guess, or he's going to be here to promote. But Why is he texting? Like, I don't know about it. I've been busting his balls about it. <sighs> fucking guys. These fucking guys. I'm going to have to have somebody whacked. Uh, by the way, the moon landing guy, Bart Sabrell, uh, turns out his name comes up in a lot of places with these, um, conspiracy kooks now it turns out bart has lied lied to me lied to my audience uh not surprisingly how he got on my show i'm gonna have to cut this kid off this kid who charges people to get them on podcasts is how bart got on my show but it turns out um Because in the documentary, he claimed... I don't know how I got on this shit now. Uh, He he claimed that Buzz Aldrin... Not Buzz Aldrin. Bill Mitchell threatened his life. Bill Mitchell never threatened his life. He he claimed the CIA put out a hit on him. That's not what happened. Bill Mitchell's uh, son, as Bill Mitchell was throwing Bart Simrel out of his house... Bill Mitchell's son said, you want me to call the CIA and have him waxed, waxed, as if the kid was the Don and the CIA was Lugo Brazzi. That's it. That's the sum total of his uh, evidence that the CIA had put a hit out on him. What happened was Bill Mitchell Said, "Get the fuck out of my house," and kicked him in the ass. Literally kicked him in the ass. And then on the way out, Cibrell was full of um, you know comments and stuff. And uh, and Mitchell Sun said, "Want me to call the CIA and have him waxed? Not waxed, waxed." Um, if you're really like in the killing business. I think you know the difference between Waxed and Waxed. Anyway. But it turns out he was a cab driver when he claimed to be working for network television. He was a cab driver with a video camera. Uh, So, um, you know, the whole thing is crap. But Joe Walters, who has listened to this program, has been on this program, was uh he's a moon landing guy a moon landing faked guy and he wants to come back on the program he claims he's gonna blow my mind with evidence like this thing has not been debunked it's been debunked so hard it wants to get bunked again (laughs) i don't know what the fuck that means listen i'm tired um i'm very tired because i was up writing comedy i gotta get some minutes because i got minutes to do now i Ke- kelly bean flicker inspired what i think is seven minutes of gold in comedy i forget what she said so i know it started with something about she texted something about come on me hold on <laughs> let me see if i can find it um Right. Oh, uh, oh yeah. So I I texted about yesterday because I was supposed to do a tasting New York shoot, tasting New York, not tasted New York, by the way, tasting New York. And I texted my shoot was canceled for today. Could have done a longer show. Andy Hack Oddity said I hate when I shoot and get canceled. People on the bus have no sense of humor. all right kelly replied <laughs> i feel like carlos uh, valencia there waiting for the laugh that doesn't come uh then kelly replied shoot shoot on me babe you'll never get canceled really shoot on me you'll never get canceled uh and i said you're talking a hack right she said sure uh, not anyone not anyone that wants to come on a chubby chick i it's just. Uh, and then, uh, ghost gerbil said, count me. In. <laughs> and I think I said at some point this, uh, cause I had a friend, Linda, um, who was a singer in a band. And she told me that guys will come on anything. I tend to agree. Guys will come on anything, but we're using, and then it goes on. The thread goes on and on and on. Uh, but I do. Uh, I did write in the middle of the night. I started thinking about an imaginary uh, stand-up bit, <laughs> and I ended up writing until five o'clock this morning. Seven solid minutes of stand-up, I think. And now I got to get out. I would love because I don't. I don't. I don't really want to do it. I just wanted to write it. I would love it if I could sell the piece to somebody who the uh, it might be appropriate for, but I think I actually have to do it because, you know, people like to write their own material. Nobody's buying material. Not like uh, how Jackie got started selling material to Rodney Dangerfield. I'm selling old jokes, by the way. Uh, so I don't know if there's comedians out there ready, looking to buy material. I'm telling you, it's fucking gold, though. Good stuff. I would not lie to you. But so, nah uh, g- good morning, Ian. Uh, Ian says, uh, "So to Conway, I, he he writes his own stuff. Everybody writes their own stuff in comedy. Nobody buys stuff. And listen, it's not like Conway's got deep pocket. Guy can't buy milk. <laughs> Seriously, yeah, he can't." He, I don't know where uh, he's getting money for Reefer from, honestly. Um, uh, Will's out there in in South Dakota now. He's going to be on this um, South Dakota local uh, last comic standing thing. But he's not working at his uh, whatever position he had in uh, Grants, New Mexico. Excuse me. So... Well, he's not in a position to buy comedy bits. Nobody is. See, the people who need the, the good comedy, they're not making any money anyway. They need, uh, People who would need to buy material, they're not making any money. People who are making money, I got good material. They don't need to buy anything. It's a catch. 69. Catch 69. Uh, Why do you keep sending me shit, dude? Oh. Who is this that he sent me? I don't even know who that is. Uh, Do I have to do this, man? I don't even know who that is. Are you coming? Wait, let me do it this way. Uh, Excuse me, folks. This is terrible radio, I know. If you're listening on the radio, uh, maybe we can play a song for you. Um, We'll text every kind of people. I don't know. I don't know. I know it's a terrible uh, radio show to stay today, and quite frankly, I'm sorry, but there's nothing I can do about it. I am really exhausted. Because I don't know who that is. Are you coming? Question mark? And forget about the word exhausted. Oh, there he is. Yeah. I don't know what, what the hell's going on here. Anyway. Fucking technology. I am sick of technology. I'm sick of all of it. I quit. You can't fire me. I quit. Anyway, uh, so he's been like, whoring around on uh, other podcasts. Everywhere you go, you see Jackie on uh, on somebody's other little window now, and uh, I feel like I'm being cheated on, kind of to some extent. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so yeah, so he's here now to talk about. Doing some benefit next Thursday night in a place that he did not get permission from the people who give permission for such things. I'm talking about uh, the Italian-American, uh, I don't know, Italian-American hall, whatever. We can't have two Anglo dudes just putting on a show without getting permission from the commission. So we're going to have to deal with that right now. Let's talk exactly. <clears throat> Jackie. How are you? Having
2: What's wrong with you? A lot. You're standing A lot. there. I I just happened to tune in and I hear you talking about I'm doing the only way I'm on this podcast today is that I texted you and say, Hey, have me on your show. You don't ask me on your show. I do. I would be I would be your girlfriend, but you don't invite me. <laughs> when was the last time I was on here? Like two months ago.
1: No, two weeks ago, three weeks ago.
2: Well, time goes fast
1: yeah I uh, forget where you, you you well you I don't know you' play but I saw your name on the the marquee at, at uh the brokerage and I was like, that's weird did not tell me about this i
2: that's uh, about that's six months away
1: six months away no, it's three weeks away you're you're there in uh, may sixth do you know that you know isn't
2: that yeah not a couple months from now
1: no it's three weeks may sixth it's three weeks from now oh Anyway, uh, so, oh, yeah. I oh, lo-
2: I love it there. But, you know, uh,
1: oh, great. last
2: move. time I talked to you, it was a long ways away.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't think so. I think you were here three weeks ago or two weeks ago, something like that. But anyway, uh, yeah, brokerage, this is my, my – I hadn't been to the brokerage in a long time. Best sound system for old people who, like me, who need to hear every word. It's best sound system, best sound design of any comedy club in New York. That's my –
2: ah that's that's and that's why i love it sound system is 99 percent of the show
1: right and why what because i went to a uh i went thursday night to a place in brooklyn what's it called union hall in brooklyn and struggled struggled to hear the sound and then friday night went to see erica at at brokerage and it was like perfect pristine audio and i was like why do some comedy clubs and, and and places that have comedy not get it. I mean, how hard is it to do sound? You
2: would not believe how hard and how long I have fought this battle. Oh, I, I tell people people go to see a comedian, they don't walk out saying the sound system wasn't good. They walk out saying that guy wasn't that good. They right. don't realize it's because they couldn't hear you. Back when we, I probably told you this, back when Nancy and I were running governors, when we first started after a couple months, all they had for a sound system was two big speakers up on either side of the stage. And I kept begging them, please put speakers in the back. It'll make all the difference. It fills in the sound in case somebody's talking, the waitresses. And then we came in one day and one of those big speakers was out. And I said, you can't do that. That's all we got to work with is our sound. You can't have a speaker out. And I came back the next week and the speaker was still out. I said, you didn't deal with that? And then in a couple of weeks from then was the Christmas party. And me and Nancy got the piss and moan award because we had complained so much. Because wow. we were complaining yeah. to get the sounds. You know, you go and do these gigs. Sometimes they're in the middle of nowhere, but the audience is big and it's fun. But if they can't hear you or the mic, you know, if it's a bad mic stand, even they, they don't even really realize the very, very essentials. You know, I don't know about I'm I'm so used to doing this. If you have a mic clip that's the wrong size? Yeah. So the SM58 slides down way too far? Right. Believe it or not that throws me off cuz I'm used to the mic being here and if it's down here
1: Yep, you know, and it, it, you know, and the, the uh, uh the thing that holds the mic there, the little holder there, will go over part of the sleeve, which is essential part of the V S 58 too. So
2: yeah, it's all that. But the, the all right, enough whining. But what I was trying to say is, I absolutely get it. I complain. My complaints yeah. are in alignment. So how's Erica? You know, that's where I met my girlfriend. Was at the brokerage when Erica was open up for me. How
1: is she? Uh, I'm. In, I, I can't comment on that because I am uh, smitten in love right now. I have a, a like a really hard crush on her. She's
2: well, she's, you and everybody else, you know.
1: I know she's really, really a master at at the craft. She really is. There's a. I've seen eighteen comedians in in March, and uh, the apparent discipline that she has, stage discipline, the. Uh, ability to really be in control of the room and not rush stuff and not step on our own jokes and stuff uh, economy of words all everything she put together was so impressive and I'm like man why don't why why is this so hard to get this lesson for people she she I know
2: anybody that's really good at it, she makes it look easy do you know her uh, her uh, genealogy
1: I know I know but uh, I know I know a little bit about it but I feel like she's got a little bit of blue blood type of... Uh, blood.
2: No, no. Her mother... No, her aunt is married to Garrison, Garrison Keeler. Keeler. Oh, you right. knew that. Okay, that's... So yeah. she was on stage with him for a long time, you know, gathering some uh, some stage time. You know, some... Uh, yeah,
1: your you audio... know, The amount
2: of time on stage is everything, you know?
1: Your audio just uh, kind of got weird with some breaking up or something. Hold uh, on. Uh-oh, holding on. Uh, you got friends. You got friends. Yeah, you better- Talk. Hello. Talk. Uh, it's still kind of cracking. It was fine when you first came on. No, it's crackling a little bit. There's like a wire or something. I don't know. Uh, you know, it's about time I choose one of these things. See? yep. Yeah, see? Uh. See? It was perfect on that other guy's podcast. <laughs> Who who was that guy you yes, were on a podcast yes. I I saw last night? Uh I forget. but uh, now. No, he's still crackling. Headphones are part of the wa- or part of the wire, Carl says. It's his headphones are port or wire. Do you even need the headphones? You never even had headphones when you were on before.
2: Hello, is that
1: Nope, still going. Now, now it's like it's something playing. It's like on a loop. That stopped, right? Did it stop? We're here. Uh, this is uh. <laughs> people on the radio must be freaking out. Like, what the fuck am I listening to? Um, and now we have completely lost Jackie. He's a black screen. He's got. He's completely in blackface. This is good. Um, so what we're about Hello? No, if it's, that's
0: not better. I'm gonna put that on.
1: It's not. It's not better. It's weird. It's, it's, it's like something's playing on a loop, or like you got a flat tire and you're driving down the road and that one flat tire keeps. That, that's, <laughs>
0: my, that's not on my side. That's not on my side.
1: It is, it's not. Let me see this. Oh, that sounds better. No, it's still... <laughs>
0: You've got, you got something
1: open that you don't know you have open. I do? I don't
0: think so. Because I don't hear it.
1: You don't. Know. How many times uh, do you this? Oh, that's better. That's better. Can you hear me? No, you can't hear me. Yeah, what, I what can't you hear you Uh I didn't do anything. But now you're on delay. Right. Oh, I don't know what it is. You know what? Go completely out. Leave the room. You know, turn it off. Go go out and then come back. Go click on the link again and come back. That's what we do. I think that. <laughs> I'm sorry for the people on the listening side. It's one of those mornings. Anyway, uh, I was about to tell Jackie I I want to open up for him somewhere along the line. Maybe brokerage. I need to do seven minutes of material that I wrote last night. I'm going to look for a stage time this uh, week, open mics around and all that kind of crapola. Uh, But I really feel like, and this happens, I I kid myself about how good the material I wrote was. So this can happen uh, with me. But I definitely, I really honestly feel like I wrote some really good material last night what is this uh okay won't open up you son of a bitch you won't open up i gotta open these this way see now firefox is not a good browser not a good bro um not a good browser at all let's see if we can do this i don't know who, who these people are in this picture but um oh now jackie totally he's like he's i don't know what happened can't find his iPad. He lost his iPad. It's right in front of him. Uh, screen share. Come on, dude. Man, I am like. I'll leave. Listen, I'll leave. You guys uh, just carry on without me. You have a good show. Uh, image. See, now these people, I don't know who these people are. We'll find out Jackie's here now. Who? Who is this guy? <clears throat> That's Donnie Wahlberg. Oh yeah, the Blue Bloods kid, the, the the Burger Boy, <laughs> Donnie's Burgers. and then the other picture here. Oh, where is that? Um, what is this? This is a did they shooting you on your on shooting on your beach in front of your house? You shooting television yeah, show?
2: They, they shot Blue Bloods here last week.
1: Man, so how many TV shows? E- how did this happen that your house gets in so many TV shows?
2: <clears throat> you know, the word gets passed around, everybody says, What a great time they have at my house, and there's so much room, <clears throat> and neighbors are so friendly and it's so photogenic. This is the fourth show. Of the shot I had the affair, instinct, the other two, and this is the fourth one, blue bloods.
1: Wow. That's so cool. Um and it,
2: it's really fun. You make a lot of money, they're all great people. And they're all huge fans. You know, anybody that's in TV or movies, all the techies, you know that 95% of that job is wait, 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 wait. So they're standing around. So they all listened to every minute of the Stern show their whole lives. So (laughs) they they couldn't get enough. And then they came in this room and their heads exploded, you know, all the garbage, you
1: know. Right. Uh, so yeah, very, very cool, man. That, that's a good thing. You get to meet some, we had, uh, Ethan Hawke and Julia Roberts doing stuff on the block here for a, a movie they were shooting right on my block. And that, that was pretty cool. But my house would be really cool. <laughs> I mean, my, my uh, house.
2: yeah, I always say it's so fun. The circus comes to town, you know, yeah. when they shot the affair here, they shot almost the entire episode at my house. It was a party for a five-year-old. That was that. that was the, uh. The episode so i have a whole beautiful uh videotape an hour videotape of a huge party at my house just i don't know anybody at the party (laughs) it's really fun and your neighbors
1: your neighbors don't care about that or
2: they walk around they give all the neighbors money they hire them for their driveway to park in front of their house they use the local firehouse they pay the bayville association they spread a lot of money around, and everybody—it's just a really fun time. It just is, you know. Everybody's not in, but ninety-nine percent of everybody is in, you know.
1: Right now, uh, you uh—did we you, cure the?
2: Th- There's a sound better. Are we better? Perfect. It's it's oh. absolutely perfect. We must um, have had a bad bad internet connection or something.
1: So you and Bales are speaking of Bayville. You're doing this thing in Oyster Bay, but it's it's kind of. Uh, without permission of the commission uh, uh, and you guys are t- kind of white right? No no Anglo- I drove in,
2: I drove into Brooklyn I kissed so many rings that I got a metal burn on my lip
1: <laughs> <laughs> but your your neighborhood is the blue blood neighborhood the way you grew up is all blue bloods Anglo-Saxon white people not not like me
2: it, it's it's a mix of everything you know it's very funny <clears throat> when I was a kid in the 50s. It was a real big deal when the East Norwich Fire Company let the Capozzoli brothers join. Like It was like, wow, they let... At- they, we're not talking about Blacks or Spaniards. We're talking about, wow, they let Italians into the fire company. You know? <laughs> At the time, I didn't know what that meant, you know, like Jesus. You know, But Oyster Bay was a lot more mixed. East Norwich was... It wasn't Blue Bloods. East Norwich was just all the people that worked for the Blue Bloods. It was a right. little hamlet. <clears throat> it still is. But oyster bay, you know, we had lots of you know, uh, black people, Spanish people. You know, it's it's a great mix, you know. But we you used- could, you could be at the bar and you could be standing there next to a clam digger on one side, and a billionaire on the other side, and not have any idea who the hell's who, you know.
1: Oh yeah, that's my neighborhood too, in a, in a way. Now, but I'm thinking when I was a kid, uh, we used to take we used to take school trips to Sagamore Hill, and they would drive past houses and like you know, people who were, uh, like, uh, related to the Roosevelt's or something. And there was, like, Franklin Delano Roosevelt had a house in that area as well as Theodore or whatever. But they were just co- going from one, like, you know, very uppity, ha- up, upper-class uh, You know,
2: it's staggering. You know, <clears throat> I lived here my whole life, but they, my cousin John is the town historian. And he's the one who's been chasing the whole thing about our family being related to the Roosevelt's forever and everything. But he had a bus tour, and I went on it with him. Um, you know, there was a, maybe 20 people, and we took this bus, and we drove down Cove Road, Oyster Bay Cove Road, but at 10 miles an hour.
0: Yeah.
2: And for years, I've been up and down that road thousands of times. But when you go that slow, the houses are still staggering you never realize it when you're driving past them like every house is bigger and more beautiful and they're not mcmansions you know they're from 1900 and 1880 you know it's just that's just beautiful there's money here that people haven't even counted yet you know
1: yeah uh so uh you and bells now this is a benefit right what is the benefit for it's a week from Uh, today by the way 8, 8 p.m in Oyster Bay at the Italian-American Hall. Right? 8
2: p.m. Thursday night, the Italian-American Hall, right uh, right behind Townsend Square. Uh, a f- very good friend of mine who built most of my house, uh, his daughter, who I've known since she was born, is now, you know, like 35 or however old, and she's married, and uh, they have a farm at Planning Fields called Orchestai Farms, and it's completely staffed. Not, not the Staff that runs it, but the people that work the farm, all have autism, or are neurologically impaired on some level along the scale, and it's an amazing thing they do for charity. And and you know they all completely organic food, and they sell it and give it out. I mean, what they're doing is just so spectacular, and uh, we want to do a benefit, and it's hard to come up with somebody to do a benefit for that doesn't split, you know, half the people are against half the people are for, for whatever reason. And this is one thing that, you know, there's not a person you can talk to that wouldn't say my brother has autism. My cousin has autism. I got a nephew, you know, it just is so far reaching. So, uh, and, and what, you know, we're just going to give every penny to them. And it's just, it's a nice thing to do. And me and Bales have such a good time. And we got tugboat Annie, or one of these guys who's been around for a while, tugboat, i should know his name i should it.
1: yeah no i what is it it's not tugboat
2: (laughs) yeah it's it's something like that but he's a real nice guy so it'll be a great show and you know the people that are coming out it's 50 bucks because you know matt it's funny they wanted me to do a show there at that place because peter did his 50th high school reunion and he did a show there and he said it was so great and everybody loved it we should do a show for charity or do it? Just he, he said we should do a show, and I said I can't do a show in Oyster Bay and charge people to hear me tell the jokes they've heard me tell since I was in second grade. I know everybody <laughs> in town. <clears throat> said,
0: well,
2: if we make it a charity, then who can complain? So I said, well, they will just charge fifty bucks. But I'm sure ninety percent of the people that are coming to this, it, I think it's almost sold out. But the they don't know what I do. They don't care. They just make it paying money to charity. So I'm sure that. People's ears are going to be bleeding because I don't change my act. I don't say, well, let me take it easy. You know, like, you know, I do. I do what I do. And it, there's some people like, oh, that isn't so bad. And other people like, you know. Yeah,
1: <clears throat> but uh, uh, maybe I'm wrong. But you have so many because I remember how many times I saw Rodney and he never really changed his act either. But somehow it never felt like he was just doing the same jokes over and over again because <clears do> so <throat> many jokes. And he... no,
2: no, and it gets changed. What I'm saying is, it's it's off color, and there's no getting around it. It's off color, and p- some people come so braced for such horror that they come and they go, "What? That, that, that wasn't that bad at all." And other people are like, "Why didn't you warn me?" You know, like so. But I just don't care.
0: Yeah. But, you no, know, I, I, I
2: mix know. it up. I mix it up pretty good because I always have. I'm doing shows on, you know, I'm calling into this show and doing this podcast, and I pull these jokes. I'm, oh, that's such a great joke. I haven't told that in a while, so I wind up with the the three-legged chicken
1: thing. Did pretty well. I uh, I put it on YouTube as a short. It did pretty well. I, I don't know, but uh...
2: <laughs> what do you mean, me me telling it to you? You mean
1: yes, yeah. On the la- last time you were here, it was not that long ago actually, but yeah, you, uh, Ralphie was in the audience and he said to ask Jackie to tell the three three-legged chicken joke and I I had it mixed up with the three-legged pig joke. And and but Which no, are they
2: are, they are birds of a feather, aren't they? <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, so I last night, I'm going to I'm looking for stage time. I last night on Twitter, uh the bean who was uh, a, a young lady who listened to this program was talking about getting she wanted somebody to come on her. <laughs> and so yeah, no, I, no wait, no wait. I thought you just said stage time. I did. Yeah, stage time. I want to uh, mic time. Like I want to get up up and do some stand up. I have not done stand up in thirty two years. I want to get up and do seven minutes of stand up that I started writing at midnight last night and finished at five five a.m. this morning, which is why I'm all fucked up today. I was up all night writing what I think is is the best best seven minutes of comedy since Carlin wrote the seven dirty words. That's what I'm gonna say.
2: Well, you know. <laughs> You know, you know why that why they invented coming on a girl's face, right? No, that's to determine which women are marrying material. <laughs> <laughs> now, now you can take that either way. Right? Yes. Uh, so, but, I, I, have, know- I have never done that.
1: Yeah,
2: <laughs> I, mean... I mean, I get so excited, I miss.
1: <laughs> uh, let's, uh, yeah, okay, uh, but the, the idea that I just expressed... now wait, now
2: wait one minute, you know that joke, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> do do the, you know what joke I'm talking about?
1: Yes, I do. Um, so, but let, let me, because the the idea I just expressed, Colin writing a. That seven dirty uh, words thing. That is a, in my mind, a bit that changed comedy. And I was thinking, are there any other like? Because you can remember bits from comedians, but you can't remember. I can't think of any other that that you know moved the uh, you know the goalpost in in stand up comedy for <clears throat> so many people. Well,
2: a- I wasn't I wasn't a comic back then, but I never thought that that. Change anything. All it did was finally put some kind of definition. You know, <clears throat> when, when we we're on the Stern Show, there are no FCC guidelines. You know what the guidelines are? We don't know what the guidelines are, but we'll know it if we hear
1: it. Yeah, profanity. I, I something they which can't is, define, right?
2: Right. Which is which is just absurd, you know. But the the words he said were, you know, I mean, the words he said you can't say on the radio. I mean, Helen Keller knew that, you know. Right. But it was just funny to hear them, you know, stuck together like that.
1: Were you a fan of WLIR, uh, listening to WLIR <clears> growing <throat> up, the, the FM radio station?
2: Not really, because um, by, I, I was very weird. I didn't, I never listened to the radio, really. I played in a rock and roll band and very listened to the radio. I was always just listening to our tapes, to try and get better and listen to comedy shows that, you know, I'd always record our jokes, but I listened to LIR some, but I was very connected to them because I played in a band at this club and there was another guy who played in the same club who had a great uh, two man band that did Beatles songs. And he created, he made a, a recording studio and his recording studio recorded all of the live shows at my father's place that went out live on LIR. Oh,
1: those were great, yeah.
2: Yeah, and it was uh, it was the workshop recording studio. So I, I he has all those tapes. I, <clears throat> He saw my band play <clears throat> because we recorded a song called The Pot Song. Do you remember that from the yeah, yeah, show? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we recorded that at his, at his place, and we wanted to capture the crowd, the live crowd. So we recorded the song at the studio, but then they came and set up mics, And recorded us playing it live because we get like three or four encores of Roll Up the Reaper, we'll have some illegal fun, and the crowd would go nuts. And him and his partner saw that I had a microphone on my foot tambourine. And they said, Wow, I guess he understands this whole recording thing. And he invited me to come and work at the studio. And I worked at the studio to learn enough about recording that I could make my own records. Meanwhile, it's 45 years later, that guy is married to my sister. Wow. (laughs) Now, how crazy is that? But they did all those live broadcasts, all of them, you know, mixing at my father's place, mixing Chicago live with like 32 microphones going through the truck and everything.
1: Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's where I got exposed to so much of the stand-up comedy that I knew in the uh, 70s because they had a a feature called News Blimp uh, where they would, uh, after the News Blimp, they would play like Carlin or they would play Cheech and Chong records or Robert Klein and uh, Gabe Kaplan and all this stuff. But they were the first local FM radio to kind of break away from doing music constant music and throwing some uh comedy bits we're doing you that know, now, now you one know one.
2: who was playing those well it was no. dennis mcnamara but right. john DeBella.
1: john de bella right yeah now
2: do you know who he became
1: uh no john did...
2: de bella was the guy that moved to philadelphia he had like a 13 chair when i started in comedy i was working in philadelphia all the time headlining long years before i met howard he was the guy we wound up battling in Philadelphia. Then wound up having the big funeral when we became number one. And and they called in. It was a battle. Right. And I remember
1: that. A, but I forgot guy that called
2: was- up, A guy called up who worked on John DeBella's pool. And he called up Howard and said that he worked on John DeBella's pool and told him his wife would sit poolside in the morning while he was on the air. And she would listen to the Stern show. <laughs> and, oh, oh, and that it was a whole sad. She wound up committing suicide. It was a whole heavy, heavy, crazy, craziness. But he was from LIR. I knew him really well. Me and him actually wrote a script together for Epi. You know, Epi from my Place. Yeah, father's Epi,
1: Epi's still trying to do my father's <clears throat> play the other yeah, day. Yeah, he's, I...
2: he's, he's doing it at the, at the Metropolitan in Glencoe.
1: Right. Yeah. He's got In a fact. whole lineup of, uh, oh, more like tribute bands now than the, the right. actual stars. But it's, I'm glad to see he's still doing it.
2: Me, he, he, because he's such a cheap fuck, is the reason I'm a comedian. You got to know that story. <laughs> Do you know I, that story? I
1: don't think you ever told me that story. But uh, it, uh, it uh, before, before you tell it, I just want to say, I he he was an old to me. He was an old man when I started playing. The first time I played at my father's place, I was 18, 19, and he felt like he was 50 at that time. Now and I'm an old the, man. He's, he's the, still doing it.
2: He's the same guy with the same T-shirt and pot belly. He doesn't drink, but he's a big fat so. and he, you know, he has never changed. But it was a big deal for my band. We were two guitar players. And for us to get a gig at my father's place was immense. And we would tell all our fans, you got to come out. You got to come out. You know, we'd get like, you know, 40 people if we were lucky at a bar gig. But they accumulated and everybody come to my father's place. So we'd have two or three hundred people, which is a big deal. And we went there one day for our sound check. And we couldn't do the sound check because that cheap fuck had booked the club at 630 for the... uh, for the um, gong show auditions.
1: All right, yeah.
2: And I'm watching and I see these two comedians audition. And I grabbed one guy afterwards and said, because I looked at them, I said, I'm as funny as these guys. And I said to the guy, how'd you get to be a comedian? He said, oh, I was easy. I had cards printed up. And he handed me his <laughs> card. And it was Richie Minervini. And me and him wound up going to Dixon's White House Inn. And me and him started comedy in Huntington at a little club. And that's where I recorded my first album. And that grew into the East Side Comedy Club. And we started all of Long Island Comedy just because Epi (laughs) was so cheap that I wound up seeing Richie. And me and Richie started the show because I, I was a guitar player singer. So I had an amp, you know, and speakers and a microphone. And so between the two of us, we put on shows. You know, it's it's the genesis of how things. And the fact that Epi's still around, so I can tell the story, is fantastic. Yeah, you know? it's
1: amazing because uh, he obviously couldn't have been as old as I, I I remember him as a kid. But he just felt like so much older. Than me. It felt like he was my parents' age. My parents are long dead.
2: He <laughs> was probably he was probably thirty. And now he's 70, or he was 20. Maybe he was 30 and now he's 75. I don't know.
1: I I think he's gotta be over 80. He's gotta be over 80. I'm I'm gonna I'm in my mid sixties, and he was an old man to me when I was 18.
2: Right. 20, <laughs> 20 years ago, I couldn't believe he was still around. Right. 20 years, but I but I love him. You know, he's he's such a piece of Long Island, you know. I went to see the Long Island Musical Hall of Fame the other day. Did you go there yet? Yeah. Have yeah. you been there?
1: I haven't been there. I've, I've, I, you know what? I was there before they opened it up. I heard, you know, they, they had a press thing for it. But I, I can say I've been there, but I wasn't in there. It's because the, this
2: uh, right now they have a. I guess it. I, I don't know if it's going to be permanent, but it's a dedicated to the uh, club scene, Long Island club scene, in the '60s, '70s, '80s, and you know, there's so much great stuff. It's just, it's if you're a musician, it's just a walk through time. You know, it's just. You know all the places you played, the places you couldn't get into, the places you couldn't play. I I I really had a good time.
1: You know I helped Richard (laughs) Lahamadu get that whole initiative for the Long Island uh, Music Hall of Fame started. But he, I remember having like crazy argument. Like he can't make the Long Island Music Hall of Fame about Brooklyn and Queens and anybody who ever looked in lived in Brooklyn and Queens because he was, you know, he's putting Louis Armstrong in there. Louis Armstrong is not a Long Islander by any stretch of the imagination. Hey, hey,
2: <laughs> I, me and Bob Buckman hosted the first annual Long Island Music Hall of Fame. Now it's Long Island Entertainment and music they, they right. expanded. Right. But it was the Long Island Music Hall of Fame. And when I saw the list of people that were, if you ever flew over Long Island in a plane, you know what I mean? It was like, <laughs> yes. it was yeah. when you're taking Brooklyn, Queens, you, you know, like, that's that's really should be New York City I mean but it's so funny because I always argue with people when they say you're from Long Island I say well you know Queens and Brooklyn are part of Long Island which they are but when you're talking about the Long Island music it's it's a very odd line it is a very odd line you know
1: yeah so and I was in uh for Brooklyn
2: put it this way oh yeah George Gershwin did not play the Neptune pub Okay, right, right, yeah.
1: Marvin Hamlish lived around the block from me for uh, like two weeks, and they want to claim him as like a Lindenhurst guy. It's like he you no, know, he was he he lived he's he stayed there long enough to know he didn't want to be there. <laughs> uh,
2: but I love so, it though. I love it. And it's and it's a it's a fantastic little museum. I mean, it's it's I really enjoyed it. I you know
1: yeah um. Because we're talking about Long Island now, and that that period, uh, Brooklyn. I was in Brooklyn last week, and I was astonished how cool Brooklyn is now. Because last time I really spent any time in Brooklyn was the '80s, and it was very much a ghetto, and it was it was you know beaten down. But the Long Island Nets, who used to play at the Comac Arena with the funny colored ball somehow are responsible for make the revitalization and renaissance of Brooklyn. It's amazing how the comedy clubs, music clubs there are so cool, so so really you know amazing. And they've done it, it feels like a whole new city, like it's It's like it's like the
2: the new Greenwich Village, kind of yeah, only only huge, right? There's like a Greenwich Village on every corner, you know, right? It's it's
1: and you know, they, they don't even look like like clubs, they just look like storefronts or something, and you go in there, and they they got like a bocce, a bocce court in the in the in the theater. It's weird, uh, but yeah, I, I love it. And um, if I were a young person right now, as much as I'm not an urban person, I would probably ah, oh,
2: you're a young person. Hey, listen, I gotta throw in April twentieth.
1: April twentieth. It was another uh, Thursday.
2: I'm at the Parks Casino with the legendary wit do you know who that is no oh you got to look him up he's a guy <clears throat> he's one of those guys that has 10 million props and uses each big prop for one like little half line and uh i've known him since 1979 and we're uh we're on the bill together so i'm very excited about that so
1: 360 lounge park casino yeah. uh ben salem pennsylvania where,
2: where the hell is that, is that near ben ben salem it's uh north philly i think it is you know i just you know, I have all these directions. I go every place in Jersey. I couldn't tell you where it is. I got, you know, there were actually, when we all started working uh, clubs in 1979 and 80, it was so funny. I remember Bob Woods one day, he says, uh, you know, when you're a comic, that's when you're going over the George Washington Bridge for the fourth time in one week. That's when <laughs> you know you're a comic. You, you spend four nights in Jersey in one week. That's when you know you're there was actually a guy named King Broder. Did you know him? Mm -hmm. A booking agent. And Jim Myers asked him, he booked him for some gig. And he asked King Broder, how do you get there? And King Broder said to him, go over the George Washington Bridge and ask. Right. (laughs) Could you Uh, imagine? And that that actually happened. You know, this is 1979,
1: you know. King Broder uh, reamed me. Over delivering (laughs) delivering his commission check to him to his mailbox, Uh, I put it in. I put a check in an envelope. I didn't put it in the mail. I put it in an envelope and left it in his mailbox because it was late, and I want to make sure he got it. And he called me up. He said, "How dare you come here?" I was like, "What do you mean?" He said, "There's no stamp on this envelope. You didn't mail it. You put it in my mailbox." Oh, I was like. I, I wanted to make sure you got your money on time. <laughs> was, you
2: know. He was the greatest character. <clears throat> Me and Bob Woods <clears throat> and Dave Hawthorne had a meeting with him because King Broder is the guy that put together Eddie Murphy, Bob Nelson, and Rob Bartlett and called them the identical triplets. And it was a big hit, so he wanted to make lightning strike twice. So he figured he's going to put another an, – Together, in another group. So he had me and Woods and Hawthorne. And Woods was a big, fat, gruff guy, <clears throat> and was sitting in his office. And he said something, and Woods said, "You're an asshole." And Broda said, "I don't take that from Sinatra." <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I and then think he would. I played
2: my single. I played my single, which was me crooning. It was on the flip side of the pot song. It was a love song. Yeah. I swear to God, King Broder told me. I'm the Long Island Anthony Newley. <laughs> wow! And he, and he wasn't saying it as an insult. We're looking at each other like, "What planet is this guy from?" You
1: know. Ant- Anthony Newley's in that video because uh, I, I brought this up a couple of times. Uh, Sammy Davis Jr. singing "I Got to Be Me" at the Playboy Mansion, and in the, in the YouTube comments, everybody's talking about what what a wholesome time it is. I'm like, Sammy Davis Jr. was a fucking Satanist who joined the fucking Church of Satan. Oh sex, please! Sex drugs. You've got Bill Cosby standing right behind him. You got half with some like girl who looks like she's seventeen, and then you got Anthony Newley with two girls sitting on his lap that look like they. Met it you. was.
2: It was not Bible class, you know.
1: It definitely wasn't.
2: People but they, rewrite history, you know.
1: Yeah, but so such a wholesome time. I'm
2: like, man, if that's wholesome, I'll get back to that. Let's my, get back. My, my favorite brother story. You know, did you ever meet Kenny Kramer? Uh,
1: no, I didn't meet him, but I know who he is. <laughs> He's... But
2: you're not not Kramer from the show, Kenny right? Kramer, the, the guy
1: who, who the the real one, who's a, sorry, the sorry, Kenny Kramer. Kramer. Yeah.
2: yeah. So I used to do a one man show at Iridium. I did it for about eight weeks, and I had guests. And with Matt, I, <clears throat> I come out and play a song with the three greatest musicians in the world, like Les Paul's band. They were my guys, Frank Vignola, Vinnie Raniolo, and they would play a couple songs like for, for like 10 or 12 minutes. And the, the most amazing guitar players, it's frightening. Then I'd come out and play a song with them. Then I'd go up to one mic and tell jokes. And I'd move to the other mic and I'd tell stories and they'd play background music. Then I'd play another song. And I'd make that trip around a couple times. The audience loved it. And at the end of the show, I'd have a guest. And the first week I had Billy West. And the second week I had Kenny Kramer. <clears throat> And he said, "You know, Jackie, we've met before." I said, "You know, I, I thought we had, but I couldn't really." He says, "Yeah, you know, I used to do gigs for King Broder." And I said, "Oh." He said, "I got to tell you King Broder story." I said, I, "I love King Broder stories." He went to do a wedding, and I I, I forget the exact figures, but they'll be in the ballpark. <clears throat> he was he got paid five hundred bucks to do the wedding, so he went <clears throat> went and did the wedding, and when he was done. The groom or whoever was running this, what whoever was in charge of paying the people, said, you know what? Uh, it'll be just as easy for you to give the money to King Broder as me. And he gave him five thousand dollars cash. Whoa. He got booked for five grand, and Broder gave him five hundred and pocketed forty, five hundred. But you can't. You couldn't exaggerate and make that up. And I so we laughed and laughed and laughed. Oh, what a character. What a great character.
1: Wow. Uh, I, you know what? I don't doubt that that's true either. I mean, it's, it's great, as outlandish as that sounds, I don't think that, because that, I remember playing like uh, <laughs> the Atlantic Beach area for him, playing gigs for him, and I know he was taking like 500% from what, what we were getting. We were,
2: <laughs> you know, it's the old thing, the old thing, man. If I call you up and say, do you want to do a party for $75? You could say yes, and you could say no. Right. And if you say yes, you come and do it. And I'm sh- and he said, you know, Jackie, at the time, I was thrilled to do a wedding for five hundred bucks.
1: Right. Yeah. You know, uh,
2: you know I. It, it's his prerogative. It wasn't illegal. It was just despicable. I mean, there are a couple. Of, there was a couple of agents. I'm not even going to say their names. They're probably still around that would book clubs in New Jersey. You know, and they get X amount from the club owner and pay everybody thirty bucks, and and you know, walk away with a fistful of money. But at the time, you're so hungry. Sure, I'll go to, you know, I'll go to the middle of Jersey for $45. You know, what the hell?
1: So <laughs> at, at this point in your career, what you do now, uh, do shows just come to you or do you have a manager seeking it, like bookings? What do you, how did, I, how I'm was- I'm retired until the phone rings. So brokerage calls you up and says, can, we got an open date?
2: <clears throat> no, well, I'll, I'll, I'll call Jimmy and I'll email Jimmy and Joe and say, hey, you know,
1: Oh, by the way, th- speaking of you calling people, thanks for getting me, Rob Bartlett. He was on a couple of weeks ago. It was great. I love it. Oh,
2: great. Oh, yeah. He's an old, old dear pal. No, I'll call yeah. the brokerage and say, you know, it's been a while, you know, because uh, I wind up going in there to do some kind of charity, not charity, but, uh, you know, some kind of benefit for somebody. And I go in there. Peter Bales has his comedy class, Stand Up University. And he has a graduation ceremony like every 10 weeks. And I go in there and hang out. And, you know, so. You know, I'm kind of pals with that. I, start, I started Governors in 1981, you know. I know so, that. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, it was yeah, different. So, so I bugged them. I bugged them, you know, like, uh, you know, give me a gig, give me a gig, you know. So I worked at Brokerage. Uh, I haven't been to uh, Mc- McDonald's, whatever the McGuire, other one McGuire's. Yeah, I have <laughs> been down there in a while. But I love that little – that's got a great sound system, and that's a great place too.
1: Yeah, well, it didn't uh, have – a a great sound system before governor's board i think governors uh, whoever is is running governors right now knows what they're doing knows how to treat a comedy crowd knows you know knows the business but before governors had mcguires it wasn't great it wasn't a great sound system there and that's one of the places where i remember i mean years ago going there and like having to bring my entire family to get some stage time for to get three minutes of stage time. I had to bring like five people and buy dinner for him. You know, when I, I
2: you know I was so lucky. You know, I sit around sometimes and beat myself up. Oh man, you never had a special on TV. Nobody knows who you are. I mean, I keep I always forget that I took off the main fifteen years of my life to do something. Even though it was parallel, I wasn't doing comedy for fifteen years. I was on the radio. And the comedy gigs I was doing was just because they were offering me so much money, but I wasn't in the comedy circuit. I wasn't traveling with the guys or getting my name around. Uh, So I missed that whole sweet spot. But um, it's, it's, it's just crazy how the whole thing just changed and changed and changed so much. It just, it it just got better and better. And some places grew and some places didn't. It's really weird. You know, like, the, I don't know. And now I
1: just... now where we're at is a whole different place where, you know, <clears throat> you, you have to, and despite what Louis C.K. says, you have to have a social media presence. If you're a young person and don't have a name that, that is recognized, social media counts as much as comedy club experience now. Oh, yeah. Ted...
2: I, I knew I was going somewhere. What I was going, I couldn't believe it. The first time I heard the expression, it's a, a bringer show. Yeah. That you had to bring 10 people if you wanted to get on stage. I was like, that is, you know, I guess that's the rule of thumb nowadays or sometimes. But when I first heard that, I was like, that goes against everything, you know. When you're starting out in, in junior high and you and you play at the local Republican Club Republican Club outdoor party, you know, your parents and your cousins come, you know, but not when you're grown up trying to do comedy, you know.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> um, get off my phone. We're not taking phone calls now. <laughs> That's my way of being a little rude to the audience. People, I, I are...
2: didn't call you.
1: No, the radio's calling. Radio is. Uh, uh, we're on live three sixty five and iHeartRadio, and their phone number is out there. And there's get, they get a scroll that says we're taking phone calls now. We're not taking phone calls now. Uh, take
2: a phone call. A lot of plug the Italian American Club.
1: Yeah, oh uh, yeah! The Italian American Club is a week from today, eight p.m. in Oyster Bay. What, what's the address? Hold on, let me. I got it here. Uh, uh, Ta- Orchestra Farms, uh, Italian American Center, forty-six uh, Summit Street, number one, Oyster Bay. Uh, it's it's eight- right.
2: It's right off the parking lot behind Townsend Square. It's for Orchestra. Say it with me, Orchestra Farms. Orchestrae. Yeah.
1: And uh, it's two white guys playing at a guinea place. For and,
2: and a ticket link. That most important thing. Ticket links on jokeland.com. Uh, bring your own sausage.
1: Right. Buy tickets at stand up comedy memories. Stand up memories. No stand up. Yeah. Uh, just go to Jack, go to joke.com. There's Jokeland.com a link right Joke.com is the
2: easiest. Right. The easiest.
1: Uh, Ted Nagurski says, Jackie, who was more crazy? Richard Simmons, Judy Tenuto or Pat Cooper? Let me just tell you, Pat Cooper, uh, is definitely part of why I am. His, so my, my father was a huge Pat Cooper guy and played those records over and over again. He's part of my neurosis, part of why I'm so fucked up with Pat Cooper.
2: Uh, I got was, something great for you. I have, I have, uh, the CDs from the three times he did Jackie's Joke Hunt. And wow. he was so wild, and he told his life story almost word for word what wound up in his... Did you ever buy his book? His book is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah of
1: course. <clears throat> and and,
2: like, uh, <laughs> he, he was so Italian wild. For Italian Americans,
1: he was, the, he was like the Sinatra of comedy. For
2: <laughs> You know, he was just about unheard of. Uh, he kind of completely gone out of favor. And Gary came in one time and asked Howard to book him. <clears throat> Howard hadn't heard of him. And Gary showed him the picture of the comedy of uh, the comedy album with Pat lying in a... Uh, uh,
1: in the sandwich, out right here. Our, in the our sandwich.
2: Italian... <laughs> in, okay, Pat, I think it was Pat Cooper on a roll or something like that.
1: Our Italian-American and, and, hero. That's what it was.
2: And he, and he told, uh, he told Howard how wild he was. And then we booked him on... We. Howard, Gary, whoever booked him on the show... And that had so much to do with the whole rise, but that was right around the same time when he completely blew blew himself out of the water on the on the Tom Snyder show.
1: Uh, what happened with that? Uh, when he
2: went on the Tom Snyder show and mouthed everybody, he did. He, 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 you know, talking about Lola Falana, he he did like twenty minutes on Lola Falana on the Tom Snyder show, and everybody called him and said, "Tom, what are you doing, Pat?" He just destroyed your career, and the next day his phone blew up. He got so much work, you know. Wow. So it was not so. The Cern show helped, you know. But uh, he's a character. He's he's never written down a word in his life. He just goes and goes, and he I think he talks in his sleep. And uh, um, Gar-
1: Gary Gary's Italian, right? Because in w- within the area I grew up, which was nothing but paisans, <clears throat> Uh, on the south shore of Long Island, Pat Cooper was a legend in the early sixties. My father used, to, and all his friends. This is why I say "donkey," and people make fun of me saying "donkey" instead of "donkey," because Pat Cooper was a donkey on a monkey. That, and that's. Uh, I remember that from being three years old and hearing that, and getting it drilled into my head. <laughs> I'm a donkey on a monkey. Uh, all that stuff. So he was a legend, but I'm, you know, I'm surprised that you you think. He, for you from your perspective he was nobody had ever heard of him and i believe that to be no true. no
2: no no everybody had heard just there was a whole you know if you go out in the street now and grab 10 kids and ask them who johnny carson is nine of them aren't gonna know you know it's, it's it's all a belt you know it's like when it happened you, like, we're almost at the point where you can ask kids who is jay leno and they won't know i mean if yeah. you weren't exposed you weren't exposed you know right. of course i knew who pat cooper like We became friends. We went out to dinner all the time, and he would never let anybody pay. But me and my girlfriend and Pat and whoever would go out. Me and my girlfriend and her mother and Pat would double date. But he was deaf in one ear and could barely hear out of the other, so he would just talk. And he would never shut up. And when he finally took a breath, you'd say something, and he'd go, what? And then he was off to the races again. So it was like you felt guilty. You're getting treated to a steak dinner and getting, a, you know, an hour and a half worth of entertainment. But, you know, it, you weren't taking advantage of him because he just wanted to talk, and he was so much fun. You know, it's right. crazy, crazy, but good crazy, you know.
1: Zin says you got uh, Victor, the, the t- I can't even say it, the better tato, uh, on uh, Stand Up Memories coming next week. Now- this is the first I'm hearing of
2: him, I like that.
1: He's, uh, he's a he's the guy who didn't get into comedy until late in life. He was like a school bus driver or something and and I
2: you know I don't know I think he was dabbling for a long time cuz I knew his name for a long time but you know like I said I was completely out of the mix so I don't know you know.
1: He's the guy who got famous because of the internet with his milk and bread uh, oh, got it was snowing out and they got to get milk and bread got to get milk and bread and that went viral somehow. And then he blew up after that, and he, he toured with Eric uh, Tardioni uh, of Long Island. So, I mean, uh, hey, he's a
2: really sweet guy, really nice guy. It'd be great to have him on the show. Yeah. Um, yeah. Pat tell Cooper,
1: people t- uh, um,
2: Pat uh, Cooper uh, fighting uh, with
1: his son. Would uh, you know what this means? Uh, was that on Stern?
2: They um, Pat Cooper's son. Nobody really knew about him. Uh, And he was gay and Pat kind of didn't have any relationship with him. And I think Pat came on the air and I don't know if we had him on the phone. I don't think he was there in person, but all of a sudden he was on the phone and and Pat went wild because he was kind of, you know, they, they did some underhanded, you know, I'm a comic. I go in to get into the mail or I go in to get a sandwich you know, I'm breaking balls with people I don't even know. Hey, Jack, how are you doing? And they know you. <clears throat> so you say something stupid or you say something because you're on. You know, just being fun, having fun, breaking balls a little bit, breaking balls with the guy behind the counter. That's just my nature. Now, Pat is me times 10. <laughs> so if he went in to buy sausages or went in to buy a sandwich or went into Dunkin' Donuts, so these people would call in and say, uh, oh, Pat was bad Howard Stern probably somebody said, you know, you know, Hey, uh, how much fun is it with Howard Sarnay? Oh, he's a stupid Joe. What do I know? About uh, about? Yeah. you know, whatever he would say, I'm sure he's just having fun and doing shtick. And these people would call up and Gary got their numbers and Pat came in and they bushwhacked him with three different people called in talking about how rude and crappy Pat was in the <laughs> store, which was so unfair. And it was like, and then did the same thing with his son, like all of a sudden this is, you know, his son's like, you know, he, I don't know whether he said, You don't like me because I'm homosexual, whatever it was. But it was it was really catching him, you know, wow. putting him in the corner. And it was and when we had he fought with his wife, uh, not his wife, his sister and his mother. I could still hear him yelling and Mother dear, mother, because they 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 thought he was a bum. Yeah, and then then he got on the Jackie Gleason show, and they wanted to sue him for using the story of their lives in his act.
1: Oh my God! His family
2: wanted to. You got you got to read. You didn't read his. You got to read his book. I did read his uh, book.
1: I don't remember that because I remember his mother being part of his first album. I thought that was be wow. Yeah, I'm I'm
2: sure the first album was all in a lot greater fun. But then yeah. all of a sudden he started doing really well, and they're like, "Well, you know, we, you know, this is partly ours." I, I don't know the why's or wherefores, but it was, it was totally unfair. You yeah, know?
1: you got to know the guy's, his whole shtick was this angry, you know.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. And if you just walked in out of the, if you know, you came down from Mars and walked in, you say, "Who is that crazy mean guy?" And meanwhile, you know, if that
1: was my neighborhood. Everybody was Pat Cooper.
2: Everybody... Of course, of course. <laughs> And he did Pat Cooper better
1: than anybody else. You know, I would defend him to the death, you know. Right. Uh, So on the gay stuff, I want to talk to you about this. Because are you familiar with uh, the Bud Light thing now? The Republicans are mad because Bud Light is supporting the trans movement. And Republicans are doing this. They're going out and buying Bud Light so they could destroy it as a matter of protest. So Kid Rock went and bought a thirty pack and shot it, shot it up. You know what?
2: I saw a snippet of video of him shooting beer with a gun, and I had no idea why. That you know that this country's in such trouble. These people are so you know that now they they want to arrest people that sell birth control pills, right? Or mail them. You know. You know. Yeah. You, you, do they realize that, you know, Michelangelo was a homosexual, Leonardo da Vinci, you know, the most creative people in the world. They, they didn't know if they were gay or straight. They were just living their lives. These people, you know, I, I don't like going red and blue, but they're, they're fucking morons. Yeah. But they, but it's not that there's a tiny percentage of them. It's like the, it's like the Pied Piper. There's one idiot and the, the line behind him is three miles long. It's like, Is anybody stopping it? I can't believe that none of those Republicans has a brother or a son or a cousin or an uncle that's trans or gay or, you know. They do. It it's just, just
1: Tucker, Tucker is telling them who to be mad at because if you look at the history I, somebody posted this thing of, of Kid Rock with a drag queen drinking uh, Bud light. <laughs> and so I mean, it, it, he never had a problem with it until Tucker told him you need to be outraged about it. It is.
2: It is. You know, there's not a politician in this entire country who if their daughter or their cousin or their grandchild Needed an abortion, wouldn't have it the next day. Under the weather, under the wire. Nobody would ever know, ever, yeah. ever. They would never, you know.
1: But the the reason why I wanted, because you were part of the generation that would understand this, because to me it, it it's just hysterical that they're buying the Bud Light to destroy it in in a matter of protest. So, Ann Heiser Bush is going, yeah, yeah, keep the protest. Yeah, going. yeah, right, right, right. But you know, I, was... I was
2: when I was with Rodney, that's what made him over, you know, his Carson and all that and blah, blah, blah. But what put Rodney over the top was in the early 80s. They had a, an unbelievable string of Bud Light commercials. And right. it was Rodney with every sports star. Right. Famous baseball players, basketball players, football players, boxers and Rodney. And they're all drinking Bud Light, you know, and that was his whole claim to fame. White. How are they what are they put a trans person in their ad or something?
1: Yeah or on the beer can or something like like just a, a rainbow flag on the beer can or something like that. But Which
2: you got to hail like you can't fight you know you're not but- going to stop people from being trans. You're not going to stop people from being gay. You know I was watching Larry Sanders yesterday. I watched it's the funniest show ever. And they it was a roast. That they put together that was it was actually the show the Larry show the title of the episode was the roast and it was all these guys every joke was about larry being gay it, it would never float today but it was so harmless you know it was right. just that was just something you, t- what do i do when i write somebody a text i just write fag and i don't mean anything it's just stupid.
1: You, I got to tell you, you freak Zach, uh Zach out a little bit with that because he, he don't he he's not from our generation and doesn't know how to. <laughs> but the uh, the thing about this this Bud Light thing is they're buying it to destroy it, and it reminds me of Dylan when Dylan went electric. I'm sure you you're old enough to remember this. Dylan went electric, and people didn't like it, so they bought tickets to the show not to go as a protest. Like, you're paying money not to see the show. They're paying money to destroy beer <laughs> as a matter of protest. It's like
2: it's like Bear Rabbit, born and bred in the briar patch. You know, like, <laughs> whatever it takes. You know. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was a whole huge thing that, that Dylan dared to use an electric guitar. You would have thought he shot somebody. Right.
1: Know. So if you find Jackie offensive, please protest him by Venmoing him a $100 today. Uh, protest-
2: you know... I, got, I just yelled at uh, Dino from Uncle Vinny's Comedy Club because <clears throat> I'm working there. Uh, when is it? I don't know. Not for a long time. Uh, like June 9th. June 9th, yeah. He,
1: he's,
2: he's got a new place on Staten Island, and I put in the ticket link on Jokeland, and you click the ticket link, and it said, the wildest, craziest, most obnoxious comic, but he really funny. And I'm like... I called up Dino and said, you got to get, I said, I've been called everything, but nobody has ever referred to me as obnoxious, ever. I, I mean, I might be a lot of things on stage, but the last thing I am is obnoxious.
1: Well, he, he he changed it. Now it says uh, he's Hola. rude. Hello, it's me, Jackie. Yeah, no. You've reached nine two nine W-Y-N-E. This, you dial, dial a joke. <clears throat> sorry. That's fine. It says he's lewd, crude, and one of the funniest working comedians today. While well, he's famous for a lot of Omni- things.
2: Omnipop is trying to make money while I'm on the air. So I Oh, I yeah? To, I Sorry, I forgot to turn off the phone.
1: Omnipop?
2: So just, yeah, my girlfriend's a part owner. Really? Ba- Barbara Klein is uh, partners with Tom and Jeknow. Oh, with well, Tom... It's uh, he's been trying to get me Elsa
1: Elsa Schlesinger, <laughs> I think that's her name, for a while. Uh, but he, 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 you know, he's kind of weird. With uh, if he, if he needs something, you know get you know in touch with you. If you need something from him, forget about it. Uh, but he, he doesn't Matt, call you Matt, is,
2: Matt, he's an agent, yeah, I he's know. a manager, I know it's his it's, job description, he's the greatest guy in the world. You know the Oops.
1: the, the, the joke, the Omnipop joke with the horses? and the, Of course you do. You've heard that one, right? I, and I'm not going to tell because I would fuck it up. But the, every comedian tells an Omnipop joke with the horses around Central Park. You know that one?
2: No, I want to hear it.
1: I, ga- I got to get Rich Walker. Get B- Bales, Bales knows it. Let him tell you. He'll tell it well because I'll fuck it up. See that? Uh,
2: Barbara Barbara's a partner, so they would never tell me that joke, I'm sure
1: Ah, <laughs> well, Is it, I'm,
2: I'm sure it's a classic old joke. Come on, tell me.
1: Well, I'm gonna fuck it up, uh, and, and I'll
2: know it, just give me the gist. So it's I
1: basically know. uh, the you know, the, the horses that take the you know, handsome cabs around Manhattan, and there's one uh, beaten up horse you got a beat up uh, um, feed bag on, and the other horse that says. I remember you. You were a star horse. You were going to be in the circus. You were, you were going to be uh, Ned Sullivan or whatever. That's uh, outdated. Uh, but what happened to you? And the, the horse just looked over him and says, Omnipop.
2: Oh, no. Oh, that's horrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's horrible.
1: But he says he doesn't call you obnoxious anymore. They changed it to lewd, crude, and one of the funniest comedians working today. Oh,
2: good. Thank you, Dino. I, I admit it'm admit it, I'm, I'm fun and I may be loud and maybe overpowering here and I, don't, I don't find myself obnoxious do you
1: no no not obnoxious I and I'm not even sure about lewd I mean yeah, I, I don't like some off-colored either, jokes
2: but I had to give them that I wasn't gonna say change the whole thing you know because yeah. just you know one one ceiling ceilings another man's floor some of the jokes I tell you could call them downright lewd but lewd is that you know Loot is you trying to come on a girl's face while you go into the bathroom. You know
1: I've never done that.
2: Well, get with it.
1: No, I don't even know what, <clears throat> what that means. Come on face. I mean, you, I I'm this is not for me. It's not am I, I'm not hip to these whole things. I'm very. Am
2: I, that's how you started the interview.
1: I know. Well, if this is the thing, I got to get some stage stage time, and because I wrote this piece, and I'm. When I started writing, I'm thinking I'm going to write and just, but no comedian today wants anybody to say, Hey, I wrote a piece. Maybe you could use it. That's the worst thing you could do. So, I'm like, the only way I, this is ever going to get done is if I do it. And I'm not a. Singer. I
2: will make you a deal. You have been good to me. Write it out, email it to me. I will learn it. I will deliver it on stage and have it taped while I'm doing it. And we will wow. see how you do.
1: Wow. That's pretty cool,
2: and I won't even—I <laughs> won't say this is from my friend Matt, and give him a break. I'll just out of the blue, I will do your stupid stuff and see what happens.
1: Stupid stuff—it's great. It's—I'm telling you, it's—it it's was inspired by Kelly the Bean Flicker, so I mean, you can't go wrong there.
2: Yes, I and can. I don't know who Kelly the Bean Flicker is. She
1: listened to this program. See, basically, we were talking about Pee Wee Herman uh, and his court case about jerking off in the in the porn theater. And he got his case was based on he's a right handed guy. The sheriff wrote it up as he was jerking off with his left hand. He brought a Masters and Johnson clinician in to say, you can't make yourself come with your non-dominant hand. I brought that up on the air. Kelly heard it and she said, sure, you can. I do it all the time. And I said, I want proof. I want I'm I'm, now <coughs> cha- I'm channeling Stern. I wanted to come on the show and masturbate with her non-dominant hand. In that window that you're sitting in now, we'll clean it out before. I
2: hate, I, I, I hate to, to as such a coincidence because uh, this whole interview I've been masturbating with my non-dominant hand.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but you can't come. Look, you're, you're trying, but it's not working. That's a, so basically. Uh, that, seeing...
2: that number one, of course, that is not true. I remember the guy I played with, since like, I my friend since I was five years old, Chris Bates, that I played. in bands with high school and college blah 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 and then through the whole 70s that was one of his favorite expressions was left hand for strangeness wow <laughs> cuz you I think would... it's another girl you, you know it's, it's it's unfamiliar you
1: know i i, I guess some people are, are more ambidextrous than others and and Ambi- have... ambidextrous we call it ambidextrous yeah cuz i you know i can't do anything with my left hand i am so right hand dominant i couldn't I can't even can't even talk with my left hand, and I'm Italian.
2: Matt, I haven't masturbated since the second Woodstock. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't well, even, I
2: don't even know what it is anymore.
1: Yeah, I know. I I hear you. It's like I'm bored with myself. I and this this is a sad place to arrive at life, where you tell yourself you need a you know not tonight. I got a headache. <clears throat> Your hand Yeah,
2: you know, like when you're you, when you're a kid, you know, like. You're masturbating and, and you're just running the Rolodex of every girl you have had sex with. And nowadays, if I try to masturbate, it's like, you again, you again, you again, <laughs> you again. You know? So, and what? what now, Nancy
1: was supposed to be calling me because she's doing something music. Uh, 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 <clears throat> music let me explain.
2: Oh. You got to just have it on hold. She's having her and her boyfriend both have very ill mothers and so she's in florida taking care of her boyfriend's mother and her mother <clears throat> let's not go into any more detail but i i meant to email you and say listen she was thrilled at the at the opportunity and she will be calling you as soon as she uh now she, he, here's something i
1: you remember ralphie the mafia guy that i brought to your house uh <laughs> the weed guy uh, I
2: liked him. I thought you guys were coming back. I thought, I, I
1: thought he was going to be a good uh, I, I, friend. Like so many, I'm busy all day long. I going to 18 comedy shows in a month, doing a morning show, doing an evening show. doing my. Why
2: are you going to these comedy shows? You, you said you're not on stage.
1: Because uh, I, I hang out with comedians. First of all, I'm learning the craft. Not learning the craft. I'm learning the craft from a fan and somebody who wants to write about it and understand it better. And looking at different stylings and and And, you know, no,
2: no, 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 no. You go on the fucking stage, turn around, look at the audience and talk. That's how you learn. And after you do that a bunch of times, that's when you go and watch the other people and say, I like that. No, that's a good idea. Oh, no, I don't like that. No, you can't just go up there with a blank slate. You got to go up there and do something. You got to take the clay and put the clay in front of you and fuck with it a little and then find out what you should do with it.
1: No, I get that, but I—it's—it's it's beyond just trying to do it for myself and to go up and perform it. I want to write a book about it. I want—I I, I still haven't published my first book that is is uh, <clears throat> re-edited yet. But that's—that's that's the kind of thing. I mean, I'm just really intrigued by the the art uh, form in in its different, you know, different ways people bring uh, approach to it and all that stuff. So that's why I go to so many comedy shows. Plus, I'm looking to get new guests on. And sometimes you go to the headliner and you're really impressed by the opener. Like Josh Johnson, I saw who opened for Mark Norman. I got to get him on. He was fucking phenomenal. Uh, so, you know, I go to, yeah, no,
2: that, make, that does, that does make total sense. And that's a good way to, you know, but I'm not, I'm it,
1: not like Carson. Be- I can't, I can't afford to send my people to the comedy store and, and send find the good ones and send them back. So I have to go out but myself you, and find them.
2: You should become a manager. If you're out scouting all these people, if you, if you hit on a great person, you I want to. You should, you should yeah. call me and let me hook him up with OmniPop. Well, I
1: I have a friend, a young friend, David He's twenty one years old. He's been to Germany and and done stand up comedies he's toured. He's twenty one. He's coming to New York, and, and he said, "Can you get me some t- uh, time at some some rooms?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'll look around. Maybe Governor's Brokerage. I can get you some stage time if I." But it's a hustle for me. I don't want anything out of it. I just want to see the young guy. So that 10 years from now, when he's huge, I can say, I did that. I'll take credit for it. Oh, uh, yeah.
2: No, no, yeah. Touch, touch, him on, touch him as he flies past you. <laughs> yes,
1: yes. Uh, what the hell was I going to? Uh, oh, yeah. So Ralphie, who I brought to your house, he told me Nancy used to play at his club with a full band in the 90s. Uh, Nancy
2: had a band called uh, All Folked Up.
1: And a up. Ba- right.
2: before that she had a band called big orange marble she is a great singer and a great songwriter and you know it just you know the magic that the lightning does not strike you know it was so weird because we were married and when she came to work with me it you know she won she was in show business she w- she was the manager the studio manager in a place in Syasa called kingdom sound studios where they did like In A Gata De Vida, and they did a lot of major albums, and uh, Blue the Cult was there, uh, but it was also a coke den, you know, and everybody everybody went through that place, and she met everybody, and uh, it's funny, the first time Phoebe Snow came on The Stern Show, you know who she was, right? Yeah, yeah. She came on the show, and all of a sudden, after she'd been sitting there a while, she said, now I know where I know you from. I knew I know that voice. We used to sit at Kingdom Sound and listen to your filthy comedy albums with the Billy Joel band while we we're in between <laughs> takes. Yeah. And I was I was very flattered, you know. But everybody went through there and she got frustrated because they wouldn't let her sing. So she quit and she came to me and said, I want to work with you. I think we could do great stuff. And we did great stuff. And when we got divorced, she got half of everything. And people say, Oh, she took half your money. She did not take half my money. She took the half that she earned. You know, right. she did everything else so I could be funny. You know, but she was singing and playing. And you're it, an
1: inspiration that you still have this relationship with your ex-wife that you still <clears> because a lot of people don't. You know, people just get really ugly after a, a relationship. No, you know,
2: some do, some don't. But it just it was so unfair that that none of her stuff ever the the close like one of her songs was on a McCartney tribute album, and she got to sing. Uh, well, I think she sang one of McCartney's songs, and and the, and she got to perform at the Ryman Auditorium and stuff like that. But you know, her stuff never got picked up, and uh, she's still at it. She's still out there playing. You'll you'll get a kick out of talking to her, and she'll give yeah, you all the dirt you need. You know,
1: I feel like she probably is blessed by not have not seeing the big you side of rock and roll and and the music industry. I think everybody who I talk to has. Because there's something I always wanted, and then as I got older and I saw new people who actually achieved that, it ruined their life. I, I hey, You know
2: what it is? They, they got rode hard and put away wet was the expression, you know? Yeah. I just read the the new Leon Russell book, and, you know, you read that, and, you know, yeah. Well, he, Janikowski,
1: he, he's supposed to be on the program to talk about Leon, Leon Russell stuff. Right, so. Yeah,
2: you, It's it's dodging a bullet. You know, yeah. some people, it's like everything. Some people come out totally unscathed and other people like it destroys them. You know, yeah, it, it's its weird how it works. You know,
1: I, my friend Johnny, who was in my, mo- who started in my movie.
2: <laughs> I wasn't in your movie, you piece of shit.
1: Well, 1997. Uh, he, he. Right before he died, he died of a, a brain aneurysm, and, and obviously he had something going on in his brain at the time. But he got into this war with Leon Russell we are right before Leon Russell died as well, uh, over a, a cat story, and they were going back and forth on social media. And I had to call Leon. What do you mean, like
2: whose story? Who? Who?
1: I think Leon Russell said something about uh, dealing with a dying cat, and Johnny in his. Mind with the brain aneurysm took it as like he he was happy that his cat was dying or something, and Johnny was like a cat person or what. And all of a sudden, they're getting into like back and forth on Facebook all day long about a dying cat, and and I had to I said Leon, don't you know
2: a- there is nothing you can tell me about musicians <laughs> that I will ever say I can't believe that
0: yeah. because they are
2: so odd. I I don't know. You know, I I actually was on a bill with Leon uh, in 19. I was still on the Stern chart, but it must have been like 1998 or 2000. There was a ASPCA benefit in New Orleans. And the ASPCA is a monstrous organization in Louisiana. And uh, it's one of the greatest stories. Um, And uh, it was Leon Russell and Steppenwolf. And I was on in the middle. (laughs) <laughs> no, it was Steppenwolf and then me and then Leon Russell outside at a place in New Orleans. You ever been there? Yeah.
1: yeah at a place
2: yeah. called the Riverwalk. Oh, so yeah. The
1: Riverwalk. Yeah.
2: Five or eight thousand people. I was down there. You know, that, that affiliate loved the Stern Show. <clears throat> Matt, is the greatest story. There's a woman who was the lieutenant governor and she was very, very good friends with the people in the ASPCA and she heard that a comedian was coming, and she's a politician. So all she could think was 5,000 people, right? And she's planning on running for governor. She called me up <clears throat> and said, hello, you think I'd I like to give you a dedication? I would like to give you a proclamation, making you assistant to the assistant lieutenant governor, and I'd like to present it to you at the show. And I'm like, wow, okay. She never bothered to look or have one of her people look to see what I did or what kind of comedian. To find out you
1: were looting, crude and obnoxious. Right,
2: right. You know, you know, you know, us politicians, we're comedians too. And I'm like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. So we're there, but we're backstage, and Steppenwolf gets stunned, and I'm with Nancy, and I was with I don't I don't know anything about football, but I was with Morton Anderson, who was the place kicker of right. New Orleans Saints, who's a yeah. monstrous star. I mean, we went to bre- breakfast at the uh, at what at the ha- Hard Rock Cafe or whatever it was. There was a Sunday brunch, you know, with all the black singers and the prayers. And at the end, the Reverend thanked the New Orleans Saints. He thanked Jesus, thanked God, and then thanked Morton Anderson. He had, he had better billing than fucking God, and so so we're we're backstage. So it turned out Morton Anderson's girlfriend was one of the higher ups at ASPCA. So that's why we were together. We had the greatest time. You know, I showed up and they gave me a basket with champagne and pot and, you know, so Uh, it's Morton Anderson and his girlfriend and the head of the ASPCA and her boyfriend and me and Nancy were backstage. And this woman, this politician, this middle-aged chubby politician and her husband with the proclamation that she's going to give me, right? And the Steppenwolf's done and whoever it was introduces me. And I came out on stage and Nancy said it was unbelievable because the first three minutes of my act were like, I mean, and the audience went berserk. You know, it's the guy from the Stern show, where we were like the Beatles, believe it or not. And I came out and like, bang. Bang. And Nancy said the woman's face went completely, completely (laughs) white. And I did like, I think I did like 15 minutes or something. Of course, I completely forgot that she was supposed to come out. I don't know anything. You know, I'm just killing, killing. And then I waved to the crowd and they went nuts. And I came back, I came off stage. I came walking down the stairs and she's standing there white as a ghost holding this proclamation. And I don't know what's going on. And she says, is it all right? If I just give it to you in the back, <laughs> and, and, I, and I swear to God, I said, to her, "That's funny." That's what Nancy. I say to Nancy every night. He said, "All right." <laughs> and she turned around, and her and her husband disappeared,
0: oh, and we man. never saw
2: him again. I and I got the proclamation right over there. Jackie Marling, State of Louisiana. It was the greatest thing in the world. But and then Leon was on after. It was the greatest show. It was fantastic. But I don't think. I, I think I was drinking in those days. I wasn't off the show yet. I don't think I even went and introduced myself to him. But Nancy said, no, of course we introduced ourselves. Wow. Who knows? But what a but what a great character, man. The, the book is scary. You got to read it. You know, so- you got to read it. At
1: Orchestra uh, Farms, the, uh, actually at the Italian-American Hall in um, Oyster Bay, Long Island, uh, Jackie and Peter Bales, but opening for Jackie and Peter Bales that night will be God and Jesus Christ. The, Jesus has a, <laughs> a three-minute spot. How so,
2: funny was that? Thank, I
1: would give him the light.
2: The, this is a preacher thanking Jesus, thanking God.
1: Oh my God!
2: And our place kicker, Morton Anderson, he stood up and the place went. Oh my God! I, (laughs) I mean, what a character! The greatest guy. He was the greatest guy. He's a Danish guy, you
1: know. Wow, he was so cool. So that's a Thursday night. I might actually, (coughs) I might be able to make Thursday night a week from today. It's a Thursday week from today, April thirteenth, eight p.m. Jackie and Peter Bales now. that's by tickets only, right? So let me see where where we're gotten here. Uh, what is it? Yeah, buy tickets. You can go to jokeland.com. There's a link right under on, on the left side. There's a banner on the top it's Orcus, Farm. that orchestra farms.
2: Orchestra farms. It's it, it's actually kind of a benefit for autism, but we but there's other neurologically challenged people that work there. So you know, I I just wanted to dance finally because I didn't want to you know. leave anybody out but uh it's it's a a great great charity they're great people i tell people listen even if you're not coming buy a goddamn ticket and do them a favor right and And leave
1: you leave your peace at home even though it's the italian american hall no 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 uh 38 specials allowed in the show
2: you know what we watched last night i was we were done watching whatever we're watching and barbara was making tea or something so i just for the hell of it i put on the Sopranos. I put on the first episode of the Sopranos. And I completely you forget, you know. And it's Tony talking to his psych and with the ducks. And it's all so gentle. I'm like, and Barbara's watching. I'm like, yeah, this is fine. You know, it's gentle. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, what's his face? Michael Imperioli just walks up on a guy and blows his brains onto the table in front of him. And Barbara like, freaked out. And she said, You know that I said I didn't remember what was gonna happen. The
1: very first episode, I yeah, you know, that first season, who remembers that? I mean, so weird that the Sopranos is like 20 years, more than 20 years old now, it's like 30 years old. It's kind of you know,
2: it's great. I freaked everybody out here because these guys that are working on Blue Bloods they've been working this, they're going into their 14th season, and it's great because they might have to come back here and tape some more because the girl, one of the girls moved out of Manhattan and moved to the suburbs to a house on the water, which is my joke land. Okay. <clears throat> but I know Robert Klohesi, uh from doing movies 15 years ago. And, uh, and Abby Hawk, I met her on a movie, but Sharippa, Steve Sharippa used to book me at the Riviera in the, in the night, in the nineties, he was the entertainment director of the Riviera. And I brought out a picture of me in a silk shirt with, Sharippa, but this is thirty years ago, and they were all going wild. You know, it's it's like, it's so funny. You know, he's like such a long, but that's so long ago.
1: Yeah, you know, this I show know. has
2: been on for twelve years. You know,
1: so like, is Selleck still on that show? Tom Selleck still? On? <clears throat> yeah,
2: and <clears throat> I I told twenty people to try and get the message to him. Because in nineteen seventy nine, I started nine two two wine. You know my joke line. Yeah. 516 wine and Rick Dees in Los Angeles he was the number one drive time jock he also had a weekly top 40 where they actually sent out LPs to all the affiliates right. like in New York and in Dallas or blah, blah, blah. and they would play them on Saturday or Sunday and they'd play the weekly top 40 Rick Dees coming in at number 38 it's uh, the five satins now coming in at number thirty. And I know in, I did in, it in, in, <laughs> oh, so interstitially, he plays my jokes sometimes. And the jokes got too dirty, and he called me up and said, Will you do some jokes specifically for me? So I did jokes for Rick Dees, and he named me Jackie the Joke Man. Okay. Right. He is to tell his audience that 516 922 9463 was Tom Selleck's home phone number. So I asked everybody in the crew, please ask Selleck if he ever heard that. Because that. My, the number one drive time guy that had to have leaked back to him, don't you? Absolutely. think Absolutely, and I just a- think it's really funny. Like, you know, that they shot at the house of the guy with the obnoxious number that Rick Dees gave out. That stupid stuff is just fun how it comes around, you know,
1: right? And uh, <laughs> definitely in LA, somebody would probably say, Hey, Rick Dees has been telling people this is your phone number, and yeah, I remember that. Uh, it's- you know, the- yeah, you,
2: some somebody would remember somebody yeah, yeah. somewhere,
1: yeah. So, well, I hope the, the thing goes well. I'm gonna sh- I'll try to make it next Thursday night so I can come and uh watch uh, and and put you in bales in the book, too.
2: Uh, <laughs> you know, of all the shows to come to, don't come to that one, come to the brokerage, you know. I would I definitely to,
1: if I, wait, is that a Saturday night? When is the um, Saturday, I, May 6th. Oh yeah. If I don't have a gig that night, I should check my can- I will check my calendar. If I don't have a I'll be at the brokerage. I was You little... were
2: supposed to tell me where your gigs are so I could come see these gigs.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I'm not really proud of all the gigs that we're booking right now. And we're at a point where my my lead singer is turning down good work because it's not paying enough it's like we're not in this for the money at this age what do you fucking care of you know you're talking about five six hundred dollars here or there <clears throat> what difference does it make i'd rather uh, play-
2: it's, it's why because of his head like he wants to be you know it's not it, so much for the money but he wants the the yeah. accolades of making a little bit more so why right. about what you're making you know
1: Right, but you know what? If it's a trade-off between a fun gig and a like a, a fun beach gig or a stuffy private event where you go, you play two songs and then people come up and give political speeches and stuff, but it's more money. He's gonna take the that gig, and it's like
2: I don't uh, it's want. not. You know, the most surefire way to make other comedians and other musicians and other entertainers the best way to make them crazy <clears throat> is to nonchalantly lie about what you're getting paid yeah i did this gig the other night i couldn't it was only two grand you know and uh but and you know just watch heads explode you know <laughs> meanwhile I'm working for 35 bucks you know <laughs> <laughs> well but yeah. come to the brokers I, but i want to come see your band are you still playing with the, the christian lady uh, um
1: not as much i w- was with her the other night Cause she she texted me, and she said she uh, was looking into CBD. So the other night, we had a gig, and before the gig, we were at the bar. She was getting a, a glass of wine, and she said, I got some CBD. I said, why? CBD does nothing for you. It's like non-alcoholic beer. She said, it does. It relaxes me. And my filter is gone, maybe from hanging out with <clears throat> you too much. I looked her right in the eye, and I said, you're rubbing it right on your fucking bean, right? And <laughs> And she, she, she smiled, and, like, the, the face she said was, how did you know? And I just started fucking laughing as hard oh, as I could. I that like,
2: beautiful Christian woman is rubbing CBD on her little uh, flinky. Oh, that's just great. I know.
1: Uh, I, like, do, you, do
2: you tell her I said hello? I know she wanted to come on the show with me today, and she couldn't make she,
1: it. Actually, she did. She did. I, I, and I was thinking <laughs> of actually calling her. She's at work. I was thinking of actually calling her and telling that you were on the show, but I didn't want to because you can't. Please,
2: really... please tell oh, her I said happy Easter in the we
1: Will do, uh, <laughs> and you got have a great day. And we'll, yeah, you know, we'll definitely be seeing you sometime. Let the... me
2: know when your band is playing so I can come see your stupid I'll, band.
1: I'll send you the whole schedule. You got to come to the South Shore, and uh, you know what, the best ones will be Memorial Day weekend. We're playing at the, uh, a yacht club down here, but then the next day at catch uh, Venetian Shores. That will be a really, really big, you know, goop I don't weekend.
2: care about that. I want to come to some little club where you're playing and enjoy it and have fun. Jeez. Yeah,
1: um, you will know, we'll enjoy it more it, a, you know? catch. <laughs> anyway, I'll send you the whole schedule. Anyway, thank you for being here today. Tomorrow. Uh,
2: somebody, I got like three or four texts. People tell me I'm in Newsday today. Maybe Newsday gave a little plug for the Orchestra Farms benefit. I'm hoping.
1: That would be um, good.
2: But I could be in trouble for something, too. I, I never know.
1: You know. Arrested oyster bay, oyster bay man about to be but arrested.
2: Everybody, pick up Newsday. It's probably my friend Dave cribley He writes me up all the time. But uh, um,
1: and you're doing a, some, some radio show in Jersey every once in a while, right? Or is that just a calling thing? Or you go go there? I
2: call I call into Mark Simone all the time. Who was Mark Simone? He might as well be Trump's brother. He is right. so far up the Republican clubs. But but me and him go back. 40 years. I used to host a weekly show at the bitter end and Mark Simone and Henny Youngman's grandson who died of heroin 30 years ago. And it was so great. And it was Bob Roland ran the place and David Copperfield used to hang out with us, but his, it wasn't David Copperfield. He was a guy who changed his name to David Copperfield, but then the other David Copperfield got so big that David Heenan had to go back to his real name, David Heenan. Wow. But they would all come to see me, my what, my wife and Mark and Henny Youngman's grandson, Larry, and David Heenan, and they'd all watch, you know, there'd be like 30 people in the audience on a Wednesday, and then we'd all eat Italian food and have a merry old time. So here it is 40 years later. So in those days, nobody talked politics. Nobody cared. So that's how I know Mark. So we never right. addressed politics. And I call in like every month or so, and he's got, a zillion listeners, and if yeah. they knew my politics, they would hate me. But I don't care I, about politics, I, I, and I, you wouldn't believe, man. I stomp the line. I tell jokes that are so dirty, and and he's like at, while he's saying you can't say that, I'm already on to the next joke. That's you know? what that's <laughs> what
1: my question was because he, I know he's on terrestrial, and the reason I can't <clears throat> get back on terrestrial is because I can't control myself. I can't stop saying f bombs. Uh, but uh, it would be really hard to do. Uh, get you on AM now. I know you started when you were on AM with, with Stern. But... With Stern,
2: we never ever, you know, when I first started doing TikTok, oh, that's another thing. Check out my TikTok. There's hundreds of jokes It's going to be there. banned
1: in a day or two. No,
2: nah, it is right. not. It's at Jackie Martling, TikTok.com slash at Jackie Martling. When I first did jokes, they don't delete you. They mute you. And I did a joke and it got muted it had the word masturbate in it and I did another joke a couple of days later that had the word dildo in it and it got muted. I'm like who can who can abide by that kind of censorship? But I figured out and I I put the filthiest jokes in the world on TikTok. There's a joke is a great joke where the the girl says the guy behind the counter I need to buy a dozen rubbers and he says oh you don't want to have any kids do you and she says, "No, my boyfriend doesn't want to get any shit on his cock." <laughs> okay, now it doesn't get any dirtier than that. But I said, "You don't want to have any kids, huh?" No, my boyfriend doesn't want to get any poop on his rocket. Sailed right by him, right by the Chinese census. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of ways to skin a cat. The, you know.
1: Yeah, the Chinese government probably couldn't even figure it. Why is that funny? Why a yeah.
2: rocket? Why poop? Why did right. rocket? Which is, so,
1: which is just... I am in trouble now rest. for that terrible uh, Asian accent. I just... I didn't... That wasn't an Asian accent. Oh, uh,
2: please. Hey, do, are you... Are you are, we didn't talk about it. We should talk again. Are you fiddling... you know about this AI stuff?
1: Yeah, I wanted to ask you. Let's... I mean, we got a minute left here. Uh, you sent me a <clears throat> joke uh, that was... A or, friend
2: of mine from Houston fed into AI... Draw a cartoon of Jackie Martling telling a joke to a nun. Didn't say he's a comedian. Didn't say he's from New York. Didn't say he's from Stern, Just Jackie Martling telling a joke to a nun. And they sent. The- I sent you that cartoon. Yeah,
1: it was incredibly right. accurate. Like,
2: well, it's it wasn't a caricature of me, but it was a guy with blonde hair telling a joke to. A- and then it said he said, "Tell me a Jackie Martling joke." And they wrote, "We cannot uh, do anything off color." But here's a Jackie Martling joke, and that was the, and it was a, it was a guy goes into a bar joke, that was clean and funny, and that was completely generated by this stupid AI. I mean, what's going to happen?
1: Yeah, I don't know. Here here you go, Uh, that thing. (laughs) Yeah,
2: look at that. I mean, and God bless them, they made me much younger. But he said. The AI now can only scan the last couple years. Eventually, it's going to be able to scan. You know, you could do. You know, show me a picture of Buddy Hackett telling a joke. You know, like. Yeah. I I did a
1: thing. I did a thing, uh, and I put it out recently where I was using AI voice changer, basically. Uh, I sing the song, put a uh, record it, put the, my voice into it, and I say I want to sound more country, I want to sound deeper, I want to sound more folky, <coughs> whatever, and change the voice, and it completely makes. But a great singer, much better singer than than I am, and uh, you know, basically, an original robot. But it doesn't sound like a robot; it sounds like a real human with emotion and all. That
2: stuff. But does it sound like you?
1: No, you can kind of. You have to really strain to hear where it does start. You know, it's not perfect yet. And this, um,
2: this is the tip of the iceberg of what this is going to be able to do.
1: Yeah, basically now, I have something that I can just write out the words and notes and put it in there. Don't have to sing anything, and it will create.
2: Have it do your seven-minute thing that you wrote and send it to me. (laughs)
1: yeah yeah oh yeah i can have a artificial and uh comic do my seven minute uh bit it's just
2: so scary you know what i've wanted to do forever is have uh send out a robot to to be an mc just have a robot you know do my stupid jokes and bring on the axe and send the robot on the road i just but now with that now with holograms you know, I wanted to have a little tiny hologram on people's desks, where all of a sudden you could push a button and there's a little six inch Jackie telling a dirty joke. You know, not to mention
1: any names or anything, or or and uh, I <sighs> hope, but the guy who who was uh, hosting the other night, it it would have been better if there was a robot there.
2: <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> terrible! Hey, he... He, the guy. The guy who's doing that whole uh, thing is David Nussbaum, who i have known for twenty years. Nuns, Somebody's talking about, oh, yeah, I'm the CEO of uh, of the new hologram company, whatever it's called, blah, 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 I said, that's not Nuzzy Nussbaum, is it? And the guy's head explodes. Said, How do you know him? I said, you know, 20 years ago, he's writing because he's one of those guys that was brilliant looking for his niche. And, man, did he find his niche, you know. Good for, good for yeah. him. You know, he's, right. got like a, he's got like a superstar standing here in his box, and the superstar is in the box in L.A., you know.
1: Wow. All right. Well, have have a good show uh, and good luck, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Thanks for being part <coughs> of the show. Now, don't
2: make me come beg my way on.
1: No, you on you it. have a open invitation. You could be on every week. Every <laughs> you could have a weekly spot. I mean, I love having you on, and I don't book that far in advance, so there's always room for you here. I mean, all right, I'm
2: coming on next Thursday morning to pump, to pump up the show.
1: All right, good. We'll talk to you then.
2: What is the beautiful Christian girl's name?
1: Uh, Kiera, and you know what? I'm gonna see if I can get get her to to pop in if you if you're Oh God,
2: story. her head explodes! Yeah. Oh, oh want... pop in on the show? Yes, yes, yes. Pop, pop. <laughs> no, she came to my comedy show. You know.
1: Yeah. Oh no, I would no. You know what? She if I if she might be able to come to the brokerage. I think I can get her to come. In. If we're not working she, that night, I'm gonna take. She it would to the
2: enjoy brokerage. it. She would enjoy it.
1: Yeah, she would. All right, have a great day. I gotta get to work. See you later. all right bye 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 for now the one and only jackie the joke man folks uh hope you enjoyed the program blah 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 i'm saying blah 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 to you and uh don't forget to turn on your radio I do have uh stuff to do places to go people to see shows to film editing to do and I'm already in trouble so I'm gonna say goodbye for now have a great day bye